Good evening. Please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15, Proverbs 15. I want you to know before we get started that the topic we're going to be discussing tonight is not something I'm unfamiliar with in the struggle. Uh, and so if you know me, you know that I personally struggle in this topic. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to preach on it. And I uh, asked John if I could uh, steal this topic from him. And he may come back to it at a later date and, and hit on some things that I don't. But uh, this is something that's been uh, convicting to my own soul through reading Proverbs 15 and through looking at God's word about the tongue. And so it does not come to you tonight without much prayer, much conviction, and uh, much repentance. So I want you to know that before we preach, before you hear the, Lord, the word. And this should not be a, a shock to you. Pastors, preachers, deacons, they all struggle with sin. And so we are all sinners in need of grace. And tonight, I'm just as much a, a man in need of grace as you are. And so Proverbs 15, we're going to be looking at eight verses from Proverbs 15. So I'll jump around a little bit. I'll tell, you where, I'll tell you where we're going. Verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Verse 2, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fools pour out folly. Verse 4, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the heart of fools. Verse 12, a scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Verse 14, the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on folly. Verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Let's pray. Father, I pray that my lips would not sin against you, and that our ears in listening would be attentive to what your word has to say. And Father, I pray that Christ and his gentle and lowly nature would be magnified even tonight. How he is kind and compassionate, how he's slow to anger, that he bears with those who are hurting. Father, I pray that even now you would encourage the faint-hearted, that you would lift up the one who is struggling in this area. And Father, that you would cause us, cause us to seek repentance, seek forgiveness. Seek reconciliation to the ones that we hurt with our tongues. Father, make our tongues so sweet as we continue to grow and be purified in your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin by giving you an analogy that's not uh, common to me, but it's been passed down throughout the ages. If you remember going to the doctor as a child, doctor would check all your vital signs. He would 
take a stethoscope and put it up to your chest and he would ask you to breathe deeply and you would breathe deeply. Felt normal, good, everything's going well. He would take then a little stick. I don't know if your doctor did this, but he would take out this little stick and he would tell you to stick out your tongue. And as a child, I'm sitting there, my parents told me never to stick out my tongue at anyone, but he told me now to stick out my tongue and open wide and he would take the stick and put it on top of my tongue. And then he was doing that for what reason? Why was he doing that? Because you can tell a lot about the health of the body by looking into the mouth. You know a lot about who the man is and his health by just looking and gazing into the mouth. And the same is true, the same is true in regard to our souls. Much can be known about a man's heart and character by listening to him speak. What do they choose to speak about? How do they speak? Are they harsh? Are they humble? Do they pour forth lies? Or are their mouths a wellspring for truth? If a person is altogether arrogant, altogether boastful, altogether cruel and slanderous, impure and deceptive, can this man, can this man really be a child of God? Jesus speaks to the Pharisees often in the New Testament, but in Matthew 12, verse 34, he says this to the Pharisees. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is saying that an evil heart, ultimately, all it can produce is evil words, evil things. Likewise, a believer who is growing in grace, who has Christ living within him, who is united with Christ, will continually be softening their speech to match that of their saviors. The tongue can be used for great encouragement or great destruction. It can be used to lift up or to tear down. It can really have the power to build or it can have the power to kill. So before we look at Proverbs 15, I want to remind you about uh, why we're looking at the Proverbs and how the Proverbs actually speak to us today. The Proverbs are a genre. They're a genre of wisdom literature. God provides this genre of literature, this wisdom literature, uh, to show us how the world normally works. So if you act this way, then this will likely be the result. However, this does not mean that everything will work out absolutely perfectly. Because if you read the Proverbs and you do everything the Proverbs say and you still suffer, you're like, why am I suffering? It doesn't always work out perfectly for the one who is proverbial in wisdom. But this is to show us how God normally sanctifies the believer. So tonight I want to examine the verses we read from Proverbs 15. And I want to show you four principles, four principles uh, for listening and speaking. And at the beginning of the week, I had 10 principles, but I had to cut it down. So uh, maybe I'll come back to this subject at some later point. First principle, disagreements or controversy call for gentle 
and truthful responses. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Verse 18, it says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Perhaps we all have different causes in our life that we fight for, agendas, ideas that we fight for. It can even be right in the Lord's eyes. But if you approach someone in an unrighteous manner or harshly, you will likely cause nothing but division and anger. Jesus says, blessed, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Who are the meek? They're the humble. They're the quiet in nature. They're the gentle. They're the compassionate. They're the kind. Then he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Who are the peacemakers? The ones who aren't in the fights. The ones who aren't causing the quarrels or divisions. Paul, in Ephesians 4, urges us to walk in a manner that matches the calling that's on our life. And what's that calling? What's that calling as believers? Well, it's union with Christ. It's union with Christ. Paul goes on and says, do everything with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain peace. That's, and most of that, most of that gets born out of how we speak. How do people see our humility? It's how we respond. How do people see our gentleness? It's how we respond and talk. Think on Jesus. Think on Jesus and how he would likely respond to the Pharisees when he tested them, when he was tested by them. He didn't become belligerent or hot-tempered. He wasn't ever hasty with his words. Rather, he was humble and he was truthful. In John 8, the Pharisees wanted to test Jesus with the law, with the Mosaic law, to see if they should stone an adulterous woman. Uh, and what Jesus' response is, is pretty great because it just automatically turns what was about to be a, uh, what the Pharisees saw as justice into a saving grace for the adulterous woman. Listen carefully to how he responds. Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus doesn't respond harshly and say, foolish Pharisees, will you ever learn? Rather, his answers to the judgmental Pharisees calmed their wrath, and they were dispersed. A simple yet thoughtful answer provided a way of escape for this adulterous woman. And then he told her, woman, does anybody condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, neither do I. Go in peace. How often do you think about the way you speak? How often do you think about your intentions? When you know a hard conversation is on the horizon or you're thinking about the best interests of the person you're going to speak to, you do think, man, I need to go gently to this person. I need to go compassionately to this person. Or do you just want to get your point across? Friends, the way we respond to controversy matters. The way we bring our ideas forward matters. You don't 
come demanding your own way. Remember, God is going to be the one that sets all things right. That's what John told us this morning. God has the vengeance. He will execute vengeance. You don't have to. It's not going to be Jordan Nelson. The Bible shows us that a gentle and truthful answer, a soft answer, turns away wrath. So before you speak, before you speak, ask yourself this question. Can I speak to this person or these people in a gentle and lowly way that mimics my Savior while conveying truth? Can I speak to this person in a humble way while conveying truth? Second principle. A wise man loves knowledge and speaks wisdom. A wise man loves knowledge and speaks wisdom. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the heart of fools. Verse 14, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fools feed on folly. These Proverbs are not commending just any type of knowledge because fools are not void of knowledge, not void of intellect, right? Fools may have much worldly knowledge. They may, you, you may be an expert chemist who knows all, the, all of the periodic table, yet, yet, when it comes to knowing Christ, you may be a fool. You may be, you may be a marine biologist and know every kind of fish in the sea, yet, the, yet these fields of study are hollow. They're worthless without a knowledge of God. Throughout the Bible, wise men sought knowledge. They sought wisdom. Solomon prayed for wisdom. And what, what happened? It was given to him. It was graciously given to him. James 3, we see that those who are wise and understanding will show their good conduct. These are the people with intellect and knowledge. They will show their good conduct with meekness. But if you have bitter jealousy, he says, James says, and selfish ambition in your hearts, you will be false to the truth. You won't have understanding. You don't have understanding. James goes on and he says, this is not wisdom. This is not knowledge that comes down from above, but it is earthly. It's demonic. Paul speaks of knowledge in this way. In Colossians 2, he says, uh, that knowledge is a full understanding that only comes through a knowledge of Christ. In Christ, there is hidden an infinite amount of knowledge and wisdom, Paul says. Titus 1.1, one of my favorite verses, because this really speaks to us growing in theology. Why theology matters, why the mind matters. Paul says knowledge should accord with godliness. Knowledge should be connected with you growing in holiness. One cannot exist without the other. If you're a godly person in this room, if you're a holy person, if you're growing in knowledge in this room, then what's happened? Well, you've gained something from above, and God is changing your heart. He's growing your affection for him. The tongue of the wise will not just speak about the knowledge they have in the world. Rather, their tongues will be filled with the mercies of Christ. 
A wise man speaks of Christ crucified. Think about that. Paul says that he cares to know nothing. Nothing except for Christ and him crucified. A wise man can even speak of things of this world. He can speak of things that pertain to biology and geography and all the thing, all the studies, fields of study you want to think of. He can speak of these things because they draw him to think about the grandeur of God. So before you speak, ask yourself this question. Have this question going in your mind. Is what I'm about to say going to bring knowledge and wisdom that glorifies God? We can have knowledge, guys. We can have knowledge of all types of things in this world. But is that knowledge also helping you see how good God is? How his good common grace is in you and flowing through you? Third principle. Third principle. This is the one I studied a lot. Perverted or coarse speech will kill your soul and lead others astray. Perverted or coarse speech will kill your soul and lead others astray. Proverbs 15.4 A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. You may want me to do this, but I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give you specific examples of coarse speech or perverted language. I used to think, why doesn't the pastor just tell me what's right and wrong to say? Why doesn't he just give me a list of, hey, here's all the words you can't say, or here's all the things you can't talk about? Wouldn't that make things? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that make life a lot easier if we just had a list? Okay, here, check one, check two, check three. I can't say these things. That would make things, that would make this life so much easier to me. However, I believe God doesn't do that because He's concerned. He's concerned. With the heart. For out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the question you have to ask yourself is why do I choose to speak about certain things or use certain words? Are you just trying to emphasize your point? Are you, think about this and the words you use, are you wanting attention for yourself? Do you want to be the funny guy in the room? Do you want to be the most visible guy in the room? Do you want to be the center of attention? This is the reason why you use this language or use this perverse subject. Paul says in 2 Timothy, we should avoid irreverent babble. Think about the word avoid. We should put a roadblock in between us and irreverent babble. At all costs, at all costs, I'm going to refrain from speaking something that would not bring glory to God. As a teenager, and even times as an adult, I would push the limit on language. I'm not profaning, profaning God. I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain. I'm not doing, I'm, not, I, 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 I'm just using this cuss word or this subject for emphasis. But now I'm beginning to realize that the Bible says much more about the tongue than I realized. Paul tells the Ephesians, let no, let no, that doesn't leave room for like one word. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Let no unwholesome speech come out of your mouth. Then you ask yourself, who, gets to, who, who, who now gets to 
define what's unwholesome, what's corrupting. Is it me? Is it you? Do we get to define what's unwholesome? But ultimately, it's God. And God's standard of holiness is much higher than ours. So wouldn't you want to refrain from even the appearance of evil? The appearance of evil? He's going to be the ultimate judge of our tongues. It's not you or your friend or your family or your mom and dad. He's going to be the one who judges the perverse, the unwholesome, the irreverent. So friends, family, we have to be careful. We have to be careful with our words. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, he wrote that the words, the irreverent words and corrupting talk of Hymenaeus and Philetus were upsetting the faith of others. We should never want the words that we say to draw someone's attention away from Christ. We should never want the words that we say to draw people's attention, their faces, their eyes away from a glorious Savior. I know I've done that. I know I've done that. There's much power in the words we choose to say. You can be a life-giving tree that's always pointing people to faith in Christ. Or as James says in chapter 3, that your tongue can be a power for hell, starting fires everywhere you go. So before you speak, ask yourself this question. Will God, the ultimate judge, be honored by the subject or the words I'm about to use? Will God, will God be honored by the subject or words I'm about to use? Fourth principle, Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil things. And the fourth principle is this, skip it learn to bridle your tongue learn to bridle your tongue a true test of a man of man's holiness is not his ability to speak about lofty subjects such as the hypostatic union it's not his ability to draw people into the doctrines of grace no rather it's his ability to bridle his tongue when we think about the word bridle, it doesn't mean that the man becomes a mute or a hermit. No. When we think about the word bridle, it means control. Let's think for a moment on Israel. Israel has just been released from captivity, slavery out of Egypt. God has split in the Red Sea. He's destroyed the Egyptian army with, a, with the seas. And then in the very next chapter, in Exodus 15, guess what we see? We see the Israelites grumbling, complaining. God, where's the water? Where's the water? Didn't God just deliver them out of slavery? Now they're questioning God. They're grumbling about God. They don't know how to control their tongues. Now think on Jesus and how he controls his tongue all the way to the cross. He could have responded, you'll never get it. 
I should just wipe you out. But he had the ability and chose differently. He was a lamb led to slaughter. And we can say he was a silent lamb led to slaughter. Before Pilate, he gave a simple statement in response to an accusation of him being the king of the Jews. He says, what you have said is true. As you have spoken, this is true. Then he closed his mouth until he was hung on the cross. From Pilate, from Pilate's questioning to the cross, we don't hear another word. While on the cross, mockers were shouting out in ignorance, hell, the king of the Jews, and Jesus controls himself and simply says, forgive them, Father. Forgive these mockers, these slanderers, for they know not what they are doing. Even in his darkest moments, where the Father's wrath is upon him, his speech was tempered and controlled. So often, you and I respond in selfishness and anger. We at times lack patience in our responses on social media. We spurt off quick responses to our co-workers because they drive us crazy. Children, how, today, how much have you uh, mocked and disobeyed your parents with your words? Beloved, remember you are united to Christ. The very one who has been patient in his response towards his accusers is now being patient with you. Repent. Come to him. We sang a song this morning. Arise and I will go to Jesus. Don't you want to rise and go to this Jesus? Turn from your wicked tongues. Daily you have to do this. Daily you're going to have to set a trap over your mouth. Dwell on him. Dwell on him before you respond. So lastly, before you respond, ask yourself this question. Is what I'm about to say going to be a thoughtful and controlled response? Is what I'm about to say going to be a thoughtful and controlled response? Now, if I were listening to the sermon, I would probably be thinking right now at this moment, you know what, Jordan? I have failed in each of these areas this week, maybe even today. I've been rash and foolish and coarse with my speech. My tongue in no way has been a tree of life for others. If anything, it spread more division in my relationships. Friends, if you're in that place, I want to encourage you. You will be battling with your tongue for the rest of your life. But if we are faithful to dwell on the one who has the words of eternal life, if we're faithful to dwell on Jesus, to think about how he speaks, our speech will continually be softened and be more gentle. You might, you might have not known me 10 years ago, but I promise you this is true. The Lord sanctifies us. He grows us. He'll grow you as well in your tongue and the way you speak. He'll make you more gentle. Pure and holy things will drip from your lips. Your words, if you dwell on Christ, will become like a refiner's fire to those who listen to you. Don't you want that? When people listen to your words, they're thinking, wow, this is wise. I want to sit under this person. I want to know this person. Your tongues will begin to be like Christ. 
when you dwell on Christ. You'll begin to have a proverbial tongue. They will speak as boldly as the prophets. They will speak as truthful as the apostles and as compassionately as our Savior. If you just continue to walk in faith, continue to trust in the forgiveness of Christ. And tonight, we have yet another tangible way. Tangible way to think on Christ and His Word. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the sacrifice that was laid down for us. Christ Himself. Though we were once all insolent, disobedient, mocking Christ with our words and action, He still laid down His life for us. His body was actually broken. His blood was actually poured out so that upon faith in Him, faith only in Him, we might have eternal life. This meal is a reminder now of that sacrifice. Acts 2.41 says this, For those who received His word were baptized, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Beloved, this meal is for those who have confessed with their mouth, with their tongues. Think about that, that Jesus is Lord. This meal is for you. It is for those who have been baptized and are members in good standing in a local church. And it's for those who are actively repenting from sin and trusting in Christ. After I pray, the servants will come to the Lord's table. And I would encourage you who are sitting on the ends to knock down the rope so that they can come and serve you communion. Let me pray. Father in heaven, you are so good and kind. You have spoken words of eternal life through your son. Father, I pray that our eyes will see him as merciful and gracious even tonight. That if we are failing in these ways of how we use our tongue, Lord, that you would be gracious to forgive us. That we would now seek to speak truth, speak to, seek to speak gently with one another, compassionately. Father, make our tongues soft with our family members. Allow us to love our neighbor well. Father, I even pray right now as we seek to take your table, Lord, that you would remind us of the grace that's provided in the sacrifice of Christ. Father, help us to know Jesus. Help us to live like our Savior. Mimic his words. In Jesus' name, amen.